0: All right, then. It won't be a sweep. It will not be an embarrassment. The Montreal Canadiens do, in fact, belong on the same sheet of ice as the Vegas Golden Knights. It's the Yahoo Sports Hockey podcast. Justin Cuthbert back with you. Yes, we have an even series after the Montreal Canadiens' 3-2 victory over the Vegas Golden Knights in Game 2. And I don't want to diminish, diminish Montreal's victory here at all. But you can't help but notice that history seems to be repeating itself in the most strange and most improbable way. As you remember, John Tavares was lost in Game 1 of Montreal's opening round series versus the Toronto Maple Leafs in Game 1. And in Round 2, Mark Scheifele, the top center for the Winnipeg Jets, was lost after he took himself out of the series with a hit on Jake Evans. And now, to start Game 2, the Vegas Golden Knights again. As it was in the first two rounds are without their top center, so Montreal is facing a far easier task. And at least for one night, without Chandler Stephenson on this night, it drastically changed the dynamic between Montreal and Vegas, like it did with Montreal and Toronto, and Montreal and Winnipeg. No, Chandler Stephenson is not John Tavares, and he's not Mark Shifley. But the loss is significant. And at least on this night, it left Vegas searching for answers. More on that in a bit, but first, I think we got to start at the, at the very start of the game because I mean, this is really uh you know, what happens in the first period, you know, barring the fact that there is you know, goals are scored, I, and I think it, you know, sets the tone for the exactly what sort of game we're going to get. And after Vegas didn't show any urgency it seemed in the first period of game 1, non-existent It seemed like they were really willing to just have that feeling out process where they just, you know, got a feel of the game and, and, you know, got a feel of the series. And it didn't mean much that Vegas wasn't good off the bat in game one because they eventually scored the first goal and then they scored the second goal. And when Montreal did score one for themselves, they were able to answer that. But now the same thing happened here in game two where Vegas like slowly waded into the waters And this time, Montreal scored, and they deserved the goal that they didn't get to start Game 1. And when Montreal does have a lead, under that condition where they are leading, Montreal can level the playing field. They cannot do the same, I don't think, when they are trailing. But when they are leading, they can sit back, they can lean on their best players who are at their best when they are being defensively responsible. That is the skill of the very best players on the Montreal Canadiens is to be defensively dominant. So Montreal can sit back in its structure, frustrate the opponent, collapse, clog lanes, and capitalize on mistakes, counterattack. This is exactly what Montreal does well. It's a pretty clear dynamic here. Chasing the game does not look good on Montreal, but protecting a lead does. So if Montreal can get off to get off to good starts continuously, and Vegas continues to sleep in the first period, that in itself is going to help Montreal get back into a series. They are back into a series, but compete in the series. They are now fully entrenched in. Uh, I mentioned this, the Stevenson uh, loss for Vegas, and there was a lot of news in the post game, and good news for the Canadians in the post game because there was a bit of a surprise that they were getting Jeff Petrie back in, into the lineup with his bloodshot red eyes and all. I, I would tell you what the medical diagnosis is, but I can't pronounce the word. Um, but listen even with that scary image of his bloodshot eyes, uh, any percentage of Jeff Petrie is worth having in the lineup if you're the Montreal Canadiens. Not because he looks terrifying, but because he's so unbelievably important to the success of the team. Without Petrie, the Canadians go from a team that has a dominant shutdown top four to suddenly one with only one defensive pairing that they're comfortable throwing onto the ice. I really don't know if the Montreal Canadiens can have any success without Petrie because they just don't have the options that can come up and fill his spot. And Shea Weber and Ben Sherratt just simply can't do it all. So Petrie is an immensely important part of this team, even if he has busted up fingers. Uh, He managed to deal with that pretty well. He had some scoring chances, in fact. Maybe he would have buried them if he had a little bit more zip on his shot. But if he can do what he did again... If it's 70 to 85% Jeff Petrie, Montreal Canadiens need that, and they certainly will take it. I find myself thinking a lot more about Vegas after this game, for whatever reasons, and I think it's because we learned something about the team, or maybe we had some of our suspicions validated. And that The big thing here is the lack of center depth for Vegas. It's not been a story all year, but it's been like, you know, it, you can't hide it in plain sight. Chandler Stevenson is not a top center in this league, but he played the number one center role for Vegas all season long. And when you lose Chandler Stevenson, the job is just that much easier for the Habs defensively. I mentioned them getting the lead. Well, it's even harder for Vegas to get back in to break through that structure if they don't have the guy that has made their top line run. After shutting down Austin Matthews in round one and shutting down Mark Scheifele briefly in round two and whoever else was on the Jets team in that talented top six... It seems like Phil Deneau, who is the poster child of the Montreal Canadiens' defensive efforts, it seems like it'll be light work for him to try and frustrate William Carlson or Keegan Kolsar or Nicolas Waugh or Nicholas Waugh. Um, if Vegas has one weakness, it's center depth. And Stevenson, as I mentioned, is not his top center, but he can be the traverse between Paccioretti and Mark Stone. Wah is not a top center. Keegan Kolsar ended up finishing the game as the top center, but he isn't either. And the Vegas top line looks seriously diminished without the player that had been playing with Mark Stone and match patch all season long. And, And listen, like this is a tough break, clearly for Vegas, but this is a concession they have chosen to make. They've made these concessions to not have that dominant top center or to pay a little more to get someone to play ahead of William Carlson because they wanted Mark Stone and they wanted Alex Petrangelo and they wanted two def- two top net binders, or at least they wanted Robin Leonard and then they realized they needed Marc-Andre Fleury. So there's a lot of questions here. What does Vegas do in Game 3 without Chandler Stevenson if he can't play? Is it Kolsar again in Game 3? Maybe you upgrade Alex Tuck? from the third-line wing, wing uh, spot. Hail Mary with Dylan Sakura coming into the lineup. I, I really don't know, but we shall see uh, because it's a tough spot that Peter DeBoer suddenly finds himself in. And it's an important spot for the Misfits line, the original Misfits, the William Carlson, Jonathan Marchessault, Riley Smith line. You know, th- that's been the line that has driven them all throughout the playoffs. And and part of that is due to the fact that they are able to avoid some of the top matchups. But guess what? Montreal, with Chandler Stevenson out, can now focus its top defensive energy, and that's Phil Deneau, Ben Sherratt, and Shea Weber, on that line, which is used to, you know, feasting on middle six competition. Why would you burn those minutes from Deneau, Weber, and Sherratt on a guy like Keegan Kolsar? It just doesn't make sense. So the line that has been so good and an advantage for Vegas is now facing their toughest challenge. And it probably was no coincidence that they were quiet in this game and actually have been quiet in the series. It actually didn't seem like they played much at all tonight, but that's just because they didn't make the best use of their time. Uh, They didn't have a single shot on goal until the third period. And at the end of the game, they had a 22% share of the expected goals. They just had nothing for Phil Deneau, Shea Weber, and Ben Sherratt. And that's got to change because that's likely the matchup they're going to be seeing much more of as this series shifts to Montreal. And of course the Canadians and Dominic Ducharme will have last change. Another observation, I guess, on the Vegas side is the usage from Peter DeBoer. Uh, I think the head coach of Vegas could be a lot better too. I mean, the circumstances certainly weren't ideal. You didn't have Stevenson. You were down in the game. And yet, you know, this different challenge here doesn't really impact his usage. It doesn't change the way he approaches the game. And I think the worst part of that is that the fourth line continued to play just as much as it seemed as everyone else. And the problem with that, I mean, it'd be okay if they were making a difference out there. But they weren't even hitting their baseline objective, which is to get a little bit of a rise from the crowd. Like, I have never heard the Vegas crowd that quiet. And yet, the guys who were supposed to spark some fire on the bench and in and, and the crowd as well, continued to hop over the boards and ended up playing, like, on average in five-on-five five minutes, like three minutes less than the middle six forwards. That includes the Carlson line, and that includes uh, Alex Tuck in the third line. Like, that's just, there's got to be some sort of discrepancy, especially if you're chasing a game. And especially if that fourth line, which was missing Keegan Kolsar, isn't doing its job. With how good Montreal's fourth line is, every time Pete DeVore puts Vegas' fourth line out onto the ice, certainly with the way they're playing, he is handing an advantage to the Montreal Canadiens. It is one of the best fourth lines in the league, at least in terms of postseason form. Like I think that's just proven. Corey Perry, Yoel Armia, and Eric Stahl have been a difference maker for the Montreal Canadiens. They have the upper hand in this battle of four lines, fourth lines. There is no question. And they scored the opening goal against this game. In this game, against Reeves and Carrier or Carrier and um, Patrick Brown, who was filling in for Kolsar. Uh, that's Montreal will invite that matchup every time. Now, 24 points in these playoffs between Corey Perry, Yoel Armia and Eric Stahl. They are doing a tremendous job and I think they're going to see only more and more ice time because Pete DeVore just wants to put his fourth line out there. Another issue for Vegas and I apologize for sort of belaboring the point here, but I, I feel like this game was more about them than Montreal because Montreal achieved its objective and there's very little to nitpick. But Vegas's power play is a massive, massive concern. They were the, the the Vegas Golden Knights were the only team that got a power play. They got two of them. So only 4 minutes uh spent on the man advantage, but they essentially produced nothing with those minutes. And this has been the story since the start of the playoffs and even beyond. They fell to 4 for 34. In the postseason on the man advantage and since april 1st and shout out to nick alberga of sportsnet for this one the vegas golden knights are 15 for 102 on the man advantage pretty wild i mean they're not exactly you know loaded with talent and guys that you would you know stationary shooters and immensely creative players like that's not really their brand but that is a severe severe outage and it's interesting because you look at what they're trying to do and it's more often than not, it seems like a guy like Alec Martinez, who was never really known for being a guy who was going to be a factor on any power play, is the guy that's getting the open looks. And that might be in part due because the opposition's saying, OK, if we're going to make if we're going to let anyone beat us, let's let Alec Martinez beat us. And I understand that. Um, but there's got to be some other options. There's got to be more that they can bring to the table. And this is sort of the story with a lot of teams pretty much every team other than the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche who had so much success, those two teams on the power plays and playoffs and everyone else seems to be struggling a little bit. Um, But Vegas has got to get that going. Like any looks for Max Pacioretty? Not really. They got to get it going. Uh, Face-offs too. Another issue. And I'm not usually a face-off guy. But the face-offs were clearly part of the story after game two. I mean, Vegas got absolutely worked in the face-off dot, especially in the offensive zone. So that's, you know, it's, it's their guys who are being put out there to make a difference offensively that are losing those draws, and there's some reason to that. But when they lost the majority of them handily, the few that they won, they turned directly into goals. So when Vegas was winning offensive zone draws... They were more often than not, or pretty close to, scoring goals. They scored their two goals off face-off wins in the offensive zone, but they lost about seventy-five percent of the ones that they take that they took in the offensive zone, and that right there is a problem. It's a, it's a serious storyline in this in this series because as the Montreal Canadiens continue in face, to win face-offs, especially when they have the lead, they can just set up into their structure, settle into the prevent defense that they use to ride out this result because they're not immediately on the back foot. Um, if they continue to win faceoffs, they can have five men behind the puck consistently over and over and again. And Vegas doesn't look like the team that can break through that structure enough. Especially, uh, if they give up three goals, so the first three goals of the game, it was a tough night. I thought for Marc-Andre Fleury too. Um, First goal, he didn't really have any chance on uh, from UL Armia. Um, and the second goal, though, was just terrible. Basically, a change up in the slot from Tyler to Foley that just should have been stopped. Like, there was time to adjust to that, and Fleury just whiffed on it. And then the third goal, you know, it was a breakaway, but Marc Andre Fleury made the decision very quickly to gamble. And he's a riverboat gambler at times when he throws around poke checks. But he threw that one out real early and it gave Paul Byron all the time in the world to transfer the puck over to his backhand and score on that breakaway. So, you know, I don't think Marc-Andre Fleury has been in his best in this series so far. I think he was a little fortunate that Vegas didn't find himself find themselves in a, in a similar um, situation in game one because a little scrambly early from Fleury, but he managed to keep the puck out. He didn't manage to keep the puck out early in this game and it, and once again it seemed like Vegas was just trying to get its footing but this time they were trying to do that at a deficit and uh as i've mentioned you know as i've been talking about here i think that's going to be a problem for them but just overall i i, I thought it was a bad performance from the Vegas Golden Knights i didn't think they were good early and i didn't think they were all that inspired until late in the game when they sort of got i don't want to say gifted they they set it up off a set set piece and Alex Petrandle scored uh, a nice goal, his second of the game. Um, But I just didn't think we saw, you know, I think it was an awful performance all around from, you know, their coach, the players, the fans weren't into it. I've never seen, again, a Golden Knights game that was that quiet. So it was, it was an oddly, oddly bland performance all around And again, I I say that it's a bad performance from Vegas, but a lot of that has to do with Montreal. So you have to give them credit, even if it looked worse on Vegas than it was looking good on the Canadians. As for the Canadians, like, one more advantage, if they can create one more advantage, I mentioned the fact that their fourth line looks like they can create at least a discrepancy in terms of scoring. They probably will be able to do that even more so than they have already uh Phil Deneau you think he's going to win his matchup even if he doesn't necessarily do so exponentially in terms of goal scoring but he's going to be able to do his job so is there someone else is there another line or pairing or combination that can give Montreal that extra little edge that they're probably going to need if they're going to win this series can they get that from Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield can they get Tyler Toffoli to continue scoring goals can they get a little something extra from Josh Anderson? Maybe Jesperi caught Kenyemi. If there's something else that can emerge in the middle six for them, then they could be in this series. Even when it looked like after this, after game one, with the defense pairings reeling, with Shea Weber looking like he was hurt, just like Petrie, we didn't know he was going to play. And all these things that sort of felt like it was adding up. And then the Stevenson injury just sort of neutralized all that. So it looked like they were out. But now it looks like they can be in if they can find one more little opening in this series to take advantage of. I think they're going to have that opportunity as the series shifts over the border for the first time. We've got cross border travel, and the Montreal Canadiens will be hosting game three of the NHL's semifinal series on Friday night. Um, Tampa and the Islanders, game three goes on Thursday. Uh, I think I'll be back to discuss that, but for sure I'll be back Friday. Got to figure out which, which day is best, uh, to actually take a night off. Um, but it should be interesting now with all four teams, seven wins away from the Stanley cup, the race continues and Montreal is in the thick of it. Maybe something we didn't expect, um, We'll discuss this series more and we'll dive into Tampa and the Islanders more eventually, even if it's not Thursday night. Uh, But it should be an exciting weekend ahead with both these series now deadlocked at one apiece and the Montreal Canadiens earning a split. If you can break even in Vegas, that's always a good thing. Uh, We will talk more about these two series and the race to the Stanley Cup next time.